0: Welcome to Beer Massive, a collection of good beer-centric conversation, interviews, editorials, reviews, and more from a collective of centrally like-minded yet individually opinionated good beer fanatics. From podcasts born in the present, or from our massive library of brewer interviews from years past, we hope you enjoy what you hear. If you do enjoy what you're here, please subscribe. Feel free to reach out to us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram on tap, at Massive Beers, or email us individually at MassiveBeers at gmail.com. How you doing, Internets? Beer Massive podcast here. Uh, Beer Massive Network, I don't actually don't know what we're going to call it yet, but we're going to go there. Um, kind of a spinoff of our old radio show that we used to do with a lot of brewer interviews, but we're going to move forward with a lot of different content. Uh, you can definitely go check it out at BeerMassive.com. Um, there's gonna be you know a little bit of beer interview stuff but mostly kind of um, conversationally focused stuff whether it be roundtables you know a lot of you know social media Instagram yada 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 kind of stuff but the core of it's still gonna be interview based stuff a lot of brewer interviews things like that so we figured got to kick it off, do it old school, go with a brewer interview, and today we're actually kicking it off with a brewery I was at in 2015, but they're here in Philly, oddly enough, and that is Grist House Brewing. We're here with Brian Eaton of Grist House Brewing. What's going on, brother? Hey, how are you doing? Glad uh, we could be here. Yeah, glad you can be here, too. That way I didn't have to drive all the way to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, how long did it take yeah. you to get here, actually? Uh, about five hours. Okay, so, yeah, yeah, so it sucked for you, it didn't yeah, suck for yeah. me. Um, I'm about an hour and a half out, two, almost two hours out, so yeah. not too bad, but... Um, First things first, why are you in Philadelphia?
1: We are in Philadelphia for the Pittsburgh Invades Philly event that's being put on by breweries in PA uh, here at uh, Concha and in Bridgeport. And so uh, the breweries in PA guys contacted us and uh, five other local Pittsburgh, brewery or Pittsburgh breweries to uh, uh, see if we'd uh, be willing to uh, sell them some beer to bring over here and uh, give it to the fine people of Philadelphia.
0: Well, I wouldn't go far as, as far as saying the fine people of Philadelphia. <laughs> we, that could be up for debate, but we we'll, I mean, I don't want to say it too loud I might get punched in the face <laughs> but um but coming into Philadelphia yeah um not your first time yeah, nope. I mean you're from nope. PA so you've probably been here a bunch yep yeah
1: been to Philly a bunch have a lot of uh, good college buddies who uh, still live in the area so uh looking forward to after this event to getting together with them
0: so. yeah always good to hook up with friends even though again it is Philadelphia yeah. but um <laughs> so yeah let's uh let's cut to the chase Christ house Brewing. Uh, yep. You guys opened in 2014. Yep. Um, about a year in, I ended up visiting you guys when I was on a quick little trip to Pittsburgh to hang out with Dennis from Dry Lag and do some stuff with him, which you guys know and you're yep. friends with. Right? Very
1: good friends with Dennis, yeah, and all the folks over at Dry Lag.
0: Yeah. And end up popping over there. Um, didn't really know much about you guys. And I had a blast. Right. Um, you know, uh, the one thing that kind of struck me when I went over there, a couple different things, a uh, lot of dogs, which yep. I'm a big fan okay. of. Um, and the other thing was, and it's kind of... Uh, uh, I don't want to say it's a hot-button topic, but especially in today's beer world, you guys make everything. You make cultures, mm-hmm. you make uh, red ales, you make uh, Russian imperial stouts, you dabble with some Belgian stuff. You do the yeah. hazy stuff now, more specifically now, more than ever, Yeah, but you run the game out of styles. Yeah. Um, I assume that's because, let's start from where everybody starts, because you came in as a home brewer.
1: Yeah, came in as a home brewer, and uh, when we looked around Pittsburgh, because uh, I started this with my brother-in-law, Kyle, and uh, when we were home brewing together, he was living in Cleveland, and I was living in Pittsburgh, and he was traveling down on the weekends, and we were like, well, we should really start our own brewery. And we looked back and forth between Cleveland and Pittsburgh and kind of compared the scenes, and Pittsburgh seemed much more... young in their craft beer scene and uh, we wanted to kind of come in and provide uh, you know high quality craft beers but also a, a good variety because you know Pittsburgh was still an icy late town and, and still is an icy light town so you're still trying to convince a lot of people to move over to craft beer.
0: But it, but it has a rich brewing history it do you does, know what I mean yeah. from pen Brewing to like uh, you know your really old school kind of brew pubby church brewing yep. um, even even uh, East End is technically a relatively yep. older brewery even though they've really kind of transitioned into the, the craft brewery world yeah, yeah. Um, there was a rich history but not with the kind of new school kind of crap no
1: not at all and that, that really started to kind of pick up steam in 2012-2013 right around where we were coming coming up and uh, um, Dennis at Dry Log got started in 2011 and he was one of the first people like he was really outside the box with doing yeah. wild sour ales in Pittsburgh nobody was doing that and
0: it, it, and, it almost seems like Pittsburgh went kind of I don't want to say ass yeah. backwards, but with Dennis doing the wild thing, and then yeah. for what I know of East End, their most popular beers tend to be their malt Ford, like their barley wines, whether yep. it be uh, gratitude, stuff like that. Uh, most places kind of cut their teeth in the hop end of things. Uh, so yep. you guys kind of come in there and do a bit of everything. Of everything, yeah.
1: Yeah, and that's uh, because we enjoy drinking all types of styles, so we just want to come in and pigeonhole ourselves as only making, you know, malty beers or English style beers or, you know, like some folks are today, just making haze bombs, right? Yeah. So uh, we wanted to have a, a whole different uh, variety to to try to pull people in and uh, it's worked really well so far for us Um, and uh, we enjoy the uh, the hazy beers and and brewing those but we'll always keep um, some of our mainstays which is brewing a Kolsch and we were one of the first breweries to really kind of do a Kolsch year round in in Pittsburgh as far as the younger kind of new age of uh, craft breweries that opened up and and that went over well because it's uh, it's a nice transition beer and uh, so whenever people come into our tap room they can always usually find something that uh, that'll please their palate.
0: Now let's let's go back to kind of where you guys started. You, yeah. Like I said, you're you're one of the few breweries that opens and is successful because you guys obviously are successful, um, growing for where you were when I first uh, visited till now. What you went from the whole homebrew route to mm-hmm. opening a brewery. Yeah, you don't see that a lot. I mean, you see a lot of brewers kind of you know cut their teeth at different breweries over time and then open their own shop. Yeah, one. Uh, what, how hard is that? Do you think you had a lot of learning curves to kind of get across? And two, do you think it actually lends a little bit of extra—I don't know what to say—specialness? But you get to think a little bit more outside the box because you're not trained classically. Like, where do yeah. those two worlds meet, and how do they work for you?
1: So the biggest thing was obviously we learned a lot through home brewing, but going from home brewing onto a commercial scale is a completely different animal, and we did have a big learning curve and. Uh, uh, we were just crazy enough to say screw it. We're going a 15 barrel system. We need to, to make this thing happen. We're gonna we're gonna jump in on it, and um, we and we'll be the first to admit that we kind of caught a, uh, a nice little window in Pittsburgh craft beer because at that time, you know there was only five or six ones that you mentioned. Penn Church, uh, Drylog was open, but he was doing all this stuff. that you had East End. Uh, you know, there wasn't a new brewery that had opened up in, in a while and so people were in Pittsburgh were getting thirsty for craft beer and so uh, when we opened up we um, our customers gave us a, a very good benefit of the doubt so I'll even be the first to admit that the first few batches of beer that we made weren't you know we didn't knock them out of the park and so but luckily, you know, people were excited to have breweries opening up in Pittsburgh that they, they kept coming back, and that and that helped us out a lot in the beginning. And uh, we also had a lot of help uh, kind of serendipitously. We got uh, connected with John uh, Trogner over at uh, Trogs, oh, and uh, right, yeah. we spent a couple of days with him, and he basically went through our entire brew setup, told us where we were going wrong. And,
0: Just uh, a he, couple of days. It was probably yeah. your brain was spinning. Yeah, yeah exactly.
1: And it was uh, so he was phenomenal in really helping us uh, get us started on the right direction. And who are we? You know, a couple of guys from Pittsburgh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> say we're opening this big brewery, you know, and, and and he's, you know, obviously trogues. So it's like for him to spend the time, that uh, really made a big impression on us, and it really did help us kind of, st- instead of going down one path, he kind of nudges to, to go down the right path, and that helped us get off on the right foot. So that was a huge help.
0: And you said uh, from opening, you did, you know, obviously when you're opening a brewery, especially if you're coming from the kind of homebrew end of things, mm-hmm. there are going to be some misses there. Yep. Um, like, and it's, it's really hard to dump beers. It's really hard to yeah. kind of toss beers, even if they're not... You know what I mean? Obviously, if they're totally sideways, there's nothing to do about it. But um, that learning curve, the, the, the people who are coming in, it was Pittsburgh that thirsty for craft beer that they were willing to kind of ride you guys out until you kind of had, I'm sure you had a vision, but have yeah. your ducks in a row kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I truly believe that, you know, the people gave us the, the benefit of the doubt and they kept coming back, and um, uh, like I said, uh, when we opened, within a couple of months, it was us, uh, Hitchhiker Brewing, uh, Brew Gentleman, Roundabout, and uh, and Hop Farm all opened around the same time. Um, Steve from Roundabout was the one who had the most brewing experience out of anybody, and so he obviously was making phenomenal beers. We gave him a tin cup and he can brew a phenomenal <laughs> beer on it, but... Um, a lot of the other guys like guys from brew gents like we got to know them really well and they didn't have much uh any brewing experience really at all a little bit of home brewing sort of like we did and so um i truly believe that is because we kind of opened these breweries all kind of within the same same time frame it was something new in pittsburgh that even though the beers you know, we thought the beers were were good, and we were making good stuff, but they weren't phenomenal, right? We were always constantly trying to improve, and uh, I think people saw that we were, willing that we were constantly making improvements on this, and they just kept coming back, and that helped us out a ton. And
0: and and that's the thing. It doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't matter whether you're you know you're a chef, you're an artist, or whatever. You're not. You have to. You have to. You have to fail in almost anything in order mm. to do well. Yeah. It's it, it's knowing when somebody's going to want to work to get better and actively try to improve themselves. Yeah. So you see, there are. Breweries out there that kind of like a little bit too. Um, I don't want to use the word self-absorbed, but they're just like you know their shit don't stink or they're surrounded yeah. by, by a lot of yes men. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But if 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 a brewery does open and it, you know stuff isn't fantastic, but you see them working towards a goal, working things getting better, I think most people can see that, especially when uh, towards the beginning.
1: Yeah. And the thing is, for us, is uh you know we're all obviously our we're our biggest critic, right? So we're always trying to constantly improve that. But I think the other thing that uh, that we did. Um, was you know we're all everybody was involved so it was my uh brother-in-law connor the ones who started it was our wives and you know our friends were helping us out everybody was still working full-time jobs while we were opening this up and so not only were we brewing but we were the ones behind the bar every night you know being there greeting the customers talking to them explaining our vision and so actually I think that helped us you know kind of um make connections and let people know like hey you know got this open here's our beer let us know what you think and we took that criticism and uh, and actually took the feedback that we got and just constantly tried to improve that and uh and you know that meant a lot of very long days and nights and a lot of sleep and stuff but <laughs> it, it was really important to just be there talking to people across the bar um even though you had you know worked all day brewed and then you're trying to serve beers and it's you know 10 o'clock at night but when somebody's coming in you know but we want to give them a beer and have them say like hey this is good but i don't really like this aspect of it and they, they, you know sometimes they, a lot of people tend to take that to heart right off the bat what you got to do is you know take it as a as constructive criticism, and really look at where you can improve in your process. And no, no beer ever final. I don't think there's always room for improvement on something.
0: Now, speaking to that, where where you guys are working long nights, and you're working your day jobs, and all that. When did you get to the point where you, you know you're you could, you know, relax your butthole And, and, and actually <laughs> I mean, it's never relaxed. well But you know what I mean <laughs> yeah, I like, yeah. actually got to the point where, okay, we're, we're, we're turning a profit Because it's a business yep. We're turning a profit enough to where we can focus Flip the script, tip the scale over to where now we're brewers yep. As opposed to people who have day jobs who own a brewery
1: Yeah, um, you know, it was actually within like five months of uh, being open We were getting really into the heart of the first summer that we were open And the nice thing about it, you've been to our spaces yeah. We have a decent outdoor space uh, and that's why we allow the dogs and stuff. Private, and so that really, and everything yeah. that's really nice. And so that really brought in a lot of people, and so it was those summer days when we were seeing just a ton of people in the tap room, and it was you know getting to this point where we're not going to be able to keep up with production if we don't have somebody here actually full time doing it. So Kyle was the first one to be able to, to leave his job, and so he uh, jumped on full time and uh, took over the brewing operation and, and things like that and um but that was yeah it, was, it took about five months but uh after that it was like kyle was there i was hoping as much as i could we had our buddy sean who was uh, still working as a biologist at a, a cancer research lab and uh, he was coming by and still helping us with brewing everything finally we we're just like screw it, Sean, you want to leave your job and come help out too? So and he left his job. It's so so, always nice yeah. to
0: get those biologists in yeah, there, Yeah, man. exactly. That, that so does he's not our, suck.
1: Yeah, he's our lab guy, you know. it's <laughs> like a, So he's got this uh, nice combination of uh, being an extremely hard worker and a great brewer, but then he also loves that biology in the lab and yeah. the yeast and all that stuff. So it helps out a lot. So.
0: Now, and then and, and you guys open, okay, you, you know, you're five months and you're getting into next summer. You're starting to yeah. k- kind of get super busy. Yeah. Now, I would say probably right around 2015, pushing in 2016, mm-hmm. that's when the conversation and beer started to change. When it started to be, okay, let's do the kind of super hop four, two mm-hmm. by four to the face kind of shit. yeah uh, The Hayes, bro the hop, that thing, whatever yep. you want to call it. Um, and, and, and when you guys opened, you know, it was pretty much just dry log. So it was, you know, wild stuff. And then you kind of had the hoppy stuff unlock, even though there's other people yeah. around. Yeah. Um, but then you have like the likes of, you know, Brew Gentleman or Dancing Gnome yeah. who I know they do different stuff, but they're primarily focused on that uh, yeah. super hazy, super kind of turbid, super, uh, it looks really cool on Instagram kind of beer. Yeah. And then you guys make so many different styles across the board. Um, how hard is it not to kind of fall into that trap of just making those beers as a brewery like yours do? I mean, you do yep. the, the Haze Hop Grenade yep. and stuff like that. To staying to your roots because obviously you do like the colshes and stouts and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah,
1: no. um, so we actually did a, our first kind of hazy beer was actually in early 2015. It was called Wheat Juice, and okay. um, it sold decently well. But I think the name Wheat kind of threw everybody off. Yeah. Like they thought it was oh this is a wheat beer when it was actually
0: yeah, you're using it for body and haze. Very yeah.
1: much it was very much a New England style. So that was kind yeah. of a misnaming thing that we didn't take advantage of. And and the thing was it wasn't and then it wasn't really till like 20 early 2016 that 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 haze in Pittsburgh really started to. Kind of yeah. take grasp and um that's when the brew gentlemen started really cranking up their style doing that a lot more and then dancing gnome came around uh later in 2016 and, and all that um but so we then did it we the next iteration we did was hazy ella and when okay. we did that it really kind of uh, blew up for us and and uh it still is our best-selling beer and uh we still play around with the hazy but the thing is like we have so many customers that are coming in the tap room that Aren't into the hazy South beers. They like the cold. They like the camp slap. They like fire on the hill. And so, and those we still enjoy those beers. So we're going to continue to produce those because that's what the folks that are coming into Tapper really like. Most of the stuff we're getting out to bars right now is uh, mostly hazy IPAs, and still IPAs are our king, right? They're still selling, and so for our distribution, that's uh, we're getting that those uh, those beers out there. But for our tap room, then it's uh, if we just kind of switched over to all hazy beers, we'd probably have a mini riot inside the, the tap room. <laughs> so we got we got to avoid the uh, the pitchforks,
0: you know. So now, uh, looking at that, and and you kind of touched on it with the uh, the the misnaming of the beer. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, right. In today's world, with the kind of you know the the untapped the rating mm-hmm. the Beer Advocate culture, where people actually you know it, it, they give ratings to things and and things matter by score and by mm-hmm. look, mm-hmm. be like as a brewer and as someone who owns a business to where you're 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 you know and I don't want to make it monetary but the dollars and cents in a business yeah. can. Uh, is reflected by what people say on the internet. It's out, outside of your control. How do you deal with that, and how do you not just like go bonkers and want to punch people in the face?
1: Well, so you you you, you know hunker down in the uh, in the office and, and don't come out when those bad. No, it, it's one of those things. Like you have to listen. To listen. That's listen. the thing. And if you ignore it, then you're gonna you're gonna miss out on something, and you're you're. Um, gonna miss out on the fact that you know like you thought this beer was great but you know it seems as though the aggregate of people coming in and, and trying it and rating it that don't seem to like it and so it, it's always kind of funny we joke like a beer that we're coming out with, we're like, excited about a new beer, and we think it's just going to be phenomenal. We're, we're super excited about it. And then untapped reviews a month later are like, oh, people think it's like a you know 3.75. Nobody like this beer, right? And then the beers were like, all right, this is good. Like, we like this. You know, maybe hopefully people will like it. All of a sudden, that's the beer that, uh, you know, everybody loves. So it's uh, it's one of those things. You, you can't be so kind of self-absorbed where you're like, well, I think this is the greatest beer and and fuck off if you don't like it type of thing. (laughs) Because, you know, people have opinions and and we're obviously in the the industry, in the service industry, and we're creating a product for people. And if you don't listen to your customers, then, you know, you're probably not going to be around for very long.
0: Yeah, but you just can't listen to your customers either. You know yeah. what I mean? It's yeah. like the old... you have to have uh,
1: confidence in what you're doing, too. That's thing. Yeah, it's yeah.
0: like yeah. A, a, the old Ben Franklin had a saying. It's like if everybody's thinking the same, then no one's thinking. So if everybody's yep. doing the same thing constantly, eventually you're just yeah. going to get lost in the shuffle. Yeah. And that's where, like, when you have, like, some breweries that just mainly focus on certain specific styles, whether, and I'm not saying, like, you know, Dry Log's all wild, but yeah. his, his, his portfolio is mm-hmm. so vast and yeah. different. I'm talking about focusing on a niche kind of style. Uh, do you see that as something that can be sustained in the long run as a brewery? I mean, people's taste and people's taste and their uh, palates evolve, and things like that. Yeah. A brewery like yours is almost going to be—I don't want to say bulletproof, but yeah. have a little bit more kind of so flexibility. We've
1: kind—we've kind of, had this conversation, uh, Kyle and I, and Sean and, and Zach. We've had this conversation before. and It's like, all right, you know. Some breweries are getting this uh, like recognition in national talk because of a, a certain style of beer. Now the question is, when all of a sudden people's you know tastes change, are they going to be able to pivot with that? And the the thing is, if they're working hard and staying a, ahead of the curve, right? And they're they're trying to predict what that next thing is, they're going to have a name recognition that'll help them do that. We're going at it as the fact that we want to be known as like. All the styles that we 're producing are very well done, and that whatever style comes along when we take a knock at it it 's going to be well done, and people are going to enjoy that so I wouldn't say anything's bulletproof, but that 's kind of the way we 're looking at it is like let's have a, a good portfolio of very well done beers, and when the new thing kind of comes along, if we want to make that style, people recognize it like, hey, Christ house is now doing a sour Ipa i 'm sure it's going to be great because all the other beers they made. You know, we, you know, I'm speaking as another yeah. customer, you know, but um, that we think that it's probably going to be good too, so I'm definitely going to give it a try. And so I think that will allow us to be able to flex and, and be able to be nimble inside the marketplace.
0: That's a good word, nimble. Um, so going back to the beer itself, so you guys are, what, 15-barrel? Fifteen barrels, and um, and what do you guys have? Like thirty-ish kind of beers, kind of rotating. Yeah,
1: so um, just going. I just got done kind of reviewing all the numbers and what we did last year. We did uh, thirty-three different styles last year.
0: And then okay, so you have you know thirty-three styles. Probably some retired stuff. Mm -hmm. Some stuff you'll bring back. How often do you go to the board and create new beers Uh, from scratch? I'm sure there's some recipes you kind of finagle and tweak and kind of do stuff like that. How often are you trying to create new new beers? To bring out Or is it Do you have a pilot system Or is it yep. all
1: Just all in So we actually Just got a pilot system uh, Late We got it up and running Late summer of last year And so okay. that's been Helping us to do um, We have a thing called The Blueprint series So kind of a playoff Okay ro- blueprint. Like a ro- but,
0: ro- rotational uh, series Exactly yeah, yep. yeah
1: And so basically It's just a numbered series uh, Similar to You know trogues uh, scratch okay. series so Like one you know All those Like it's kind of A similar thing They're numbered And uh, we do different stuff And um, one of those uh, That we did Was a uh, um, An IPA but Hazy IPA that we actually brewed with a uh, coal that turned out uh, absolutely phenomenal, and uh, that was just on the pilot system, sold out within a weekend, and so now that's going to be on the... It's actually in the tanks now uh, that we'll be releasing here in a couple of weeks. So that's helped us uh, to get a few more new and experimental stuff out, and that's kind of one of the lacking things we had the first three years was we... Had a 15 barrel system and no way to really do any like small batch experimental stuff. Yeah. And they're like, we're kind of tied because it's like, how do you do an experimentation <laughs> or something like that when you, and you have 15 barrels and like, oh crap, this sucks. Now we got to dump it. Because of a business standpoint, that just, that hurts. Yeah. You know? so, so it's like, now we're like, all right, well, we got this, you know, little three barrel system we can. You know, get six kegs out of it. We can put it on the tap room. People love it. Awesome. It's going to the 15 barrel. If people are like, eh, this wasn't that great, then it's like, well, back to the drawing board on that or just move it on and that one's that one's forgotten.
0: Are you going to go the Trogue's route too? And just if something really hits and takes off, you're just going to kind of... Add it to the kind of rotational portfolio or are you just kind of just throwing stuff probably, against the wall and see what sticks at this point basically if it if it kicks off like
1: this uh, like i said the ipa with the koshis like that's actually probably be a, a seasonal now we're probably going to have it uh, it's going to come out here like late winter early spring and we'll probably just keep that in the seasonal rotations um but we are trying to basically make sure that those core beers that we've always had, that people have always really enjoyed, we're definitely, we've are definitely got tanks kind of dedicated to those, and then we're trying to free up space so we can do, now that we have this pilot system, we can do some experimentation, and then if something works, just kick it in and get it into the, uh, the larger scale and then be able to work those in. So I could see probably this year in 2018, the way things are looking, 33 in 2017 probably could be doing closer to 50 different styles uh, probably this year, 50 different beers.
0: And and, and speaking of 2018 and forward, do you have... I mean not to tip your hand on anything no. in particular, but do you guys have like a vision? Do you do you think beer's heading in a specific direction? Or are you just trying to just hunker down and make good beers? You're not trying to look towards the future. Are you trying to reinvent a wheel? You're just trying to make good beers and just go from there?
1: We're basically looking for things that we think that we're gonna enjoy to drink and that people are gonna really get excited about. Um, we're working right now on expanding our barrel aging program because that's something we've always wanted to do and get more into wild fermentation, um, barrel aged sours. Things of that nature. Um, so that's kind of one of our big projects for this year. We also uh, just got a canning line that we bought. So Ooh, we're going nice. to be doing more canning. And so uh, with that, we're planning on doing a lot more with, uh, especially double IPAs, haze, getting into cans and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, not really like chasing or pushing a certain trend. Basically just trying to create great beers that uh, that we want to enjoy and that we think people also uh, uh, be getting excited about.
0: And uh, speaking of the canning thing, up to this point, I assume you're doing mobile canning or yeah, something like yeah. that. Um, And then you guys decided to go with the kind of like almost like production level kind of wrap cans out of the gate Yeah, um, you know the shiny sticker can definitely gets everybody's all like nipples hard and yeah, stuff yeah. <laughs> why did you decide to skip that kind of like Hayes like hipster mentality thing yeah. and go straight for like production level stuff
1: because we were actually looking at it as like we're planning on expanding here in the future and we figured if we're going to start getting out with cans that we might as well be out the gate and get that product uh, recognition as like this is the wrap the can this is what you're going to be looking for in the future if we do Uh, Get to the point where we're able to actually get a little bit more distribution out to uh, um, more accounts into you know uh, six pack shops things of that nature. And
0: what's your what's your footprint now? Just Pittsburgh proper. Just Pittsburgh proper. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: So it's uh, and and not that many bars at that too. So uh, we've been fortunate enough that our tap rooms is is growing internally. Internally. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Fluctuates with the seasons, but we um, yeah, have about fifty accounts within uh, Pittsburgh, but no distribution really outside of that. And cans don't make it outside of the tap room either. Whenever it's been canned <laughs> up, it's uh, it's usually gone within uh, the day, day or two. Yeah.
0: Now you were talking. Uh, you touched briefly on the stuff you wanted to kind of uh, do do or add to your portfolio going forward, and you touched on sours. Uh, yeah. I, I know you guys have done done some sours, but it's probably just like cattle based stuff, not yeah. bacteria based stuff. Yeah. And you're talking about expanding that. Yep. You're such a tight facility. I remember yep. being there. You know, it's laid out beautifully, but yep. there's really not much room as far as growth and as far as space and stuff like that. Yep. How do you approach a sour program like that in such a tight environment?
1: Uh, It's all about basically being clean, you know. uh, Wild fermentation, you know, everybody's afraid about getting bugs into their their system Mm. and and things like that. But, um, you know, as long as you're being extremely diligent about, uh, you know, not cross-contaminating, you know, gaskets and things like that, you can kind of control that. And like you mentioned, our biggest issue is space. And so right now we're uh, um, working on a building, not going to divulge too many details right now, but kind of the impetus of that building is that there's a, a nice basement where we can uh, sell or important things off. And so that's okay. going to be kind of the, um, we're hoping to have that kind of up and get, you know, beer and barrels into that building here by mid to, to late summer. So that's uh, that's kind of where that's that's going. Yeah.
0: As someone who knows enough to be dangerous, but not yeah. enough to, well, probably just enough to be an asshole too. Yeah. Um, I, I'm talking about myself, not you guys. Um, <laughs> it would apply, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've always heard that um, a lot of brewers, and I know it's, I know it's true. As long as you're clean, as long as it keeps it separate. But we've seen several breweries kind of go kind of bad. I mean, the brewery, I mean, they started a basically a sour program out of a, a separate building just because they weren't clean enough. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, There's always the off chance that you could have something like that go down. And as a small brewery, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like if something were to go a little bit sideways, you know what I mean? You're kind of like, okay, where do we go from there? Yeah. Like what other? I'm not speaking specifically to that, but yeah. what kind of fears or what kind of pitfalls that you guys have? Or I shouldn't say fears; that's a strong word. Mm-hmm. What are the things that you guys see that you're trying to avoid, but also the things that you've kind of come across that you've accomplished, that you basically conquered, that you thought were going to be big issues or, or stuff that the road bumps along the way from when you guys kind of became full time mm-hmm. into the brewing portion of the show till now? What was the biggest? Kind of like bullshit, dumb shit you had to deal with.
1: You know, that's always a that's a tough question. Money in space. A, money <laughs> space is always the biggest thing, and I think that's a, I feel like that's always the the easy answer for people. Yeah. That's always the freaking answer because money, space, everybody thinks yeah, everybody <laughs> thinks that you know like oh I got this I got this beautiful space right like we were we're the same thing right like we bought the building in 2013 we walked in there and we're like. This is awesome. This is going to last us for 5 years. We have all this room and then within a year we're like some it's like this, the, we need a new building and like and trying to find real estate. And so that that's that's the hardest thing is like yeah, m- money's always an issue, but that's for any size you are. Like yeah. so it's a business you're always trying to do that, but it's just physical like space to do anything it's just a is a nightmare like that's we've been just trying to juggle and we're on top of ourselves um i'm not sure if you've been back since 2015 but if you would walk no. in there now we're even more on top of ourselves like it's uh it's a constant game of uh of shuffling jenga like stacking <laughs> like trying to move things around and that cuts into production time and and it you know everybody's worried about where we're going to put stuff and it pulls focus away from you know focusing on the beer and improving quality and things like that so it's just like it's it's a constant like they a good problems, space. it's a good, you know, it's a good yeah. problem yeah no, yeah, it's a yeah, good problem to have. Uh, my favorite phrase. Uh. <laughs> Always. <laughs>
0: yeah. now, now, like you said, uh, that you can get back towards the beginning of this conversation. Yeah. You started this off um, with your brother-in-law. Who, yeah. who's, who's sister married to? Uh, I married his sister. Okay. Uh, yeah. uh, lifelong friends. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then best friend ends up coming in to be the head girl.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, Sean uh, grew up with us. We all uh, went to Penn State and uh, kind of went our separate ways after that. I ended up down in D.C., Kyle in Cleveland, Sean in Pittsburgh. And then kind of serendipitously in 2010, I moved out of D.C. and went to Pittsburgh and uh, started homebrewing. You know, I was homebrewing before that, but we kind of got together and started brewing then in Pittsburgh at my house there. And, and it kind of went from there. And yeah, Sean uh, um, was, he was there from day one. It was like we had the building and like he. Wasn't getting anything out of him besides helping out friends. And he was there every day. We were knocking down walls and, and you know, uh, doing all the hard labor. So, uh,
0: And just out of curiosity, yeah. why did Sean end up being the head brewer? Or was it just a, a matter of. Uh it, it, he just had a knack uh, yeah, better than everybody else or is it more just you know you guys own a business and you want somebody doing the kind of legwork or
1: it was more that uh, we were all we were all brewing and, and and basically doing everything everybody had a hand in it and then like, as we quickly found out uh, it was like you know our passion was brewing beer but then when you actually start growing a business there's a lot of other facets to running <laughs> a, a, a yeah. business than just being able to brew and so it was more out of necessity you know Kyle and I both had to start moving to look at the the bigger picture the overall business and, and all of that stuff, and we needed somebody that we trusted to be able to be there, you know, doing the brewing on the day-to-day side. And so, uh, Kyle and I both wish that we could be down there, you know, uh, every day brewing. But uh, we've been very blessed in how rapidly we've been growing. So there's so many other things that we have to tackle on a day-to-day, and so that's uh, kind of the nature of the beast, you know. As you grow, you kind of have to grow with the business.
0: So you, when you were talking, you're doing home brewing in yep. in DC. You were in school. Where were we going to school?
1: Uh, actually, at Penn State, I was just down working in D.C. Okay, but, uh, yeah. yeah, but we started home brewing uh, when I was down in D.C. So, okay, and then
0: how far removed from leaving school did uh, you start the brewery? Start brewing?
1: Oh, start the brewery yeah. from leaving school? Uh, seven years.
0: Okay. So, yeah. So uh, I was just going to be like, if you started right off the bat, your parents going to be like, "What are you crazy?" You, yeah, know yeah, I mean? you yeah, got all these loans they, hanging they, over they your head. They still thought I was crazy. They, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you think now? <laughs> they still think I'm crazy. Yeah, yeah but in a good way.
1: <laughs> but in a good way, yeah. Always been very supportive. Yeah. <laughs> Now,
0: at a, at, a, at a Pittsburgh, I mean, Pittsburgh's mm-hmm. kind of one of my favorite brewer scenes. I mean, Dry Leg, honestly, I mean, mentioned them a couple of times, not the Bogart the interview and talk about them, but they're, like, one of my favorite breweries. I kind of gotten into beers through the Belgian door through, like, weird yeasty yeah, stuff, so yeah. that's kind of always been my jam. And then with, like, some of the old-school breweries, you know, you got your nice Iron City hams and all that stuff. No, no. Is hams out of there? No, No, not. No, not that's, no, hams. That's, that's... Um, it, definitely Iron City. Yeah, yeah <laughs> definitely Iron yeah. City. Um, and then you have that new blood coming up. How is yep. that community brewer-wise, as far as, like, everybody? Working with each other, sure. There's uh, a couple like thorns on the side, but it, as a whole, yeah. is it just? Oh, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Um,
1: and we actually just um, started uh, work on the uh, the Pittsburgh Brewers Guild, um, which uh, really a long time coming. Uh, there's oh, there wasn't one until now. There wasn't one until now. There, wasn't one now. Really? there was uh, so there was right now. There's currently 31 operating breweries within Allegheny County, uh, which is the most of any county in Pennsylvania, and. Uh, it, A bunch of us were approached by uh, Visit Pittsburgh, the tourism board, and they're like, hey, we're going to put together this uh, uh, beer ale trail thing, right? And it's like, like, all right, well, it's like, that's cool if you do that, but it would probably be better if the breweries actually kind of spearheaded this. And that went from, uh, you know, kind of collective of like, hey, let's let's make this happen to a a whole thing of, you know, we are, uh, uh, you know, we have 31 breweries in Allegheny County. We should have had a guild seven years ago. Okay. why hasn't this happened so
0: and and so I assume and, and this is just me assuming I yep. assume there's probably some kind of pseudo homebrew version of a guild going on a lot of people that kind of brew bre- yeah, up two, brewing together and yeah, stuff yeah, like there's that
1: a, there's trash and Trump okay yeah uh,
0: and then I get uh, a lot of people probably graduated to local breweries and doing yep, stuff yeah. like that. Now, now moving into the guild, who's the, who headed it up? What do you, what's your deal with it? Like, where do you where do you follow the guild? So I'm that? the chairman,
1: um, and uh, that uh, kind of came around because I was the idiot who said, "Hey, we should do this," and then that's the first thing who usually gets voted in to have to chair, <laughs> chair the damn thing. Yeah. But uh, it's a uh, uh, myself, uh, Matt McMahon from uh, 11th Hour, um, Andy Kwiatkowski from uh, Hitchhiker, um, uh, Matt Gatas from uh, Brew Gentlemen, um, Andrew Witchie from Dancing Gnome, and uh, Al Grosso from Allegheny City Brewing, and then uh, Tom Schneider, who's also uh, with us at uh, uh, Grist House. Um, So we basically got voted in by, we had a a big meeting of all the brewers. I think about 28 of the 31 breweries showed up at a meeting at 11th hour, and we said, hey, we should 100% put this guild together. Let's vote in a board. We uh, we cast a vote. We became the board. We got established, uh, officially filed in November, uh, applied for the grant through that uh, PA Beer Tourism Promotion Board. And uh, that uh, grant we applied for is going to be going towards putting together a Pittsburgh Brewery Guide. Uh, that's kind of the first uh, big kind of project we're tackling. And that's to what I was going to ask. Tourism. Yeah. Yeah, and that was I was
0: going to ask. Was there a, an impetus for for joining? Like, be like, okay, we needed to get this done. Yeah. So we need to have. And, and that, that was, was the that thing. Was
1: it? Yeah, that was the fire under everybody's asses. You know, if we're if we really want to see this uh, guide come together, and we want to apply for funds through the state, then we're going to need an official organization to put together, you know, like, so it's not just a bunch of brewers being like, hey, give us money and there's no official, like, uh, you know, LLC they can uh, actually contact. So that's why that that was the impetus, but there's so much more that we can accomplish uh, through that, uh, not only in Allegheny County, but also through the brewers of Pennsylvania and and everything uh, over here in Harrisburg.
0: Now, Pittsburgh as a whole, the city proper, is it a little bit harder to kind of function Inside of it brewery wise because you guys are just in the outskirts in northwest yeah. essentially Pittsburgh up there in Millville Yeah, um, and then that's where dry log is was yep. that brew as uh, a dancing owns a bit north of you guys Just I believe. a little bit further north, And then yeah. there and there's kind of breweries in and around the area. Is, yeah. it, is it is it is it just real seats too expensive or is it more of a kind of the city's a little bit tougher to deal with? Or
1: we I mean uh we lucked out because, yeah, the, the city can be a bit harder to deal with. And uh, since Millville's its own borough, we didn't have as many issues running across code like, you Like know, yeah. Those people were easier to deal with than the city is. Um, but there's quite a few right in the city. I mean, just along uh, in Lawrenceville, which everybody seems to have heard about nowadays, yeah. uh, you have uh, Cinderland's just opened. You have 11th Hour. You have Roundabout. You have Church. You have uh, uh, Hop Farm. Um, so there's quite a bit just going on right there in the city, too. So... Um, I think it's mostly like any brewer. It's like you got to find real estate. You got to find a place to actually open And so sometimes that can land in the city Sometimes it's just on the outskirts for us it it happened to be just outside of uh, the city in in Millvale and and that was a blessing because uh, Millvale devastated by a flood in 2004 they're trying they're they're hoping for small business to come out they're excited when dennis opened up in 2011 and so dennis kind of broke the ground as being like hey i'm opening a brewery in your town and they were excited about it so what's coming and being hey we'll be the second brewery in your town they're like that's awesome we love dry log i'm sure we'll love you guys and and that worked out really well and that kind of made an easy path for us to get the doors open
0: so you haven't hit a lot of road bumps as far as just in general i mean just like your production-wise Nobels yeah. just embraced you yeah. I mean you don't have yeah. to deal with the free tier system because you probably self-distribute everything yep. you yeah, do self-distribute yeah. um, so I mean that's pretty cool yeah, not yeah, a lot well, of headaches yeah. on that end of things at
1: least which, which has been nice yeah we've had you know there's always headaches but not to have those ones is, uh, it makes little things a little bit easier but, uh,
0: so let's talk about some, a little bit of personal stuff now yeah. obviously you know it, uh, gotten a beer in yep. some form or fashion i assume it was in college yep. i assume yep. it was some kind of like pseudo cheap um uh you oh, know, man, we were natty, natty light uh, yeah. all day long and, yeah, it, it was and like, then yeah. you transition <laughs> what was your gateway beer
1: so actually my gateway beer was um uh i'm just gonna freaking blank out on this but it's uh
0: like probably like a wheat beer it's what everybody yeah, it was gets. Wheat beer, yeah. and why am i um it's what everybody gets in the that's okay. It's a macro. It's a, it's
1: a freaking... I don't know why I'm... Uh, blue Moon? Blue Moon. Yeah, there you go. It. Yeah. I don't, okay. why, I don't know why I just blanked That's like out on everybody. that. Yeah. It's one of so the biggest was, gateway beers uh, yeah, in the history yeah, exactly. of mankind. Yeah. So it was uh, right across from the, the place that Fraternity I was in. There was a Mad Max, mm-hmm. which uh, Mad yeah. Max is bigger over in uh, in Pittsburgh, but they, okay. have one in, they have one in State College, and they had a freaking awesome... It was like... A, Two dollar blue moons on Tuesday nights and free darts, and so we go over there right. and just like crush blue moons, moon. but that that actually kind of was the it was like <laughs> oh, I was like oh there's something more than natty light to, uh, to actually enjoy. Now,
0: and then what you do is to most people, you know, you kind of get into that gateway beer and then you yeah. evolve to something else, and then yeah. and then over time, I'm talking could be now. Um, but it could be you know right around when you started the brewery, have you kind of settled into a specific style that you like now that's like not necessarily a specific beer, but is there like a specific style that just turns you on specifically
1: Yeah, I, I mean I'm still just an IPA guy through and through like um, but what
0: kind of IPA guy?
1: uh actually just a a very solid uh well done west coast ipa just uh blows my skirt up every time okay Um, i'm loving the hazy stuff i i I absolutely love it but i mean you give me a little bit of bitterness bitterness, yeah instead of the the sweet yeah and that's the thing and um like i love uh we do our version of the fire on the hills that kind of my vision of a west coast like solid ipa and that's what I, i still enjoy and that's when i when i go out i'm you know, I, I try to explore as many beer styles as I can because I just love all beer styles, but at the end of the day, if it's just like, I know there's a solid IPA on, like, that's that's just my go-to.
0: Is there is there is a specific style of beer that you just can't get down with? I mean... Yeah, maybe... barley wines. Really? Oh,
1: my God. Yeah, I can't stand barley wines.
0: Really? Yeah. No, I'm so sad. That makes me yeah. sad. <laughs> Sorry. I just want to cry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, This, 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 uh, ESP is going to be a goza now. I'm going <laughs> to yeah, cry into it. Uh, <laughs> man, that's yeah. so so sad. Yeah, the,
1: the the thing is, like, I, I never want to say never because unless we have a brewer that's really passionate about, it, Kyle and I both are not barley wine fans, so you probably will never see and I never say never. Knock on wood, all that. Yeah. I don't know, you're not going to see a barley wine out of Gristows really anytime
0: soon. Well, Because you know? I know you guys do the big imperial stout. T- you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I love a good not, imperial I mean, stout, know, yeah. Not super similar, but, yeah. I mean, you know, barley wine. Is, it, you know, is there something specific about it? Is it, is it, it the yeast? Is it just the straight-up sugary maltiness? It's a it, sugary
1: maltiness, and then it's always that... Uh, do you which feel like you're drinking like consistent. a pre-hopped beer, like it, almost like it, a running beer? A beer? running yeah, yeah. And then it's you got that... It's almost... Consistent, it's like this, uh, you know, you get that almost sherry flavor sometimes That you use. it's usually a precursor to oxidation, a sign of oxidation, but on barley wines, it just always comes across to me, I'm just like, ah, <laughs> this is too sweet, and it's like, I can't do it. Now, on a good Russian imperial stout, you got the chocolate, the malt the, yeah. the yeah, and there's roses, that there's a lot more, a lot more yeah, than yeah, yeah, yeah. just that straight, yeah, it's just oh. like, uh, uh, it's, uh, yeah. There's a rumor, there's a rumor
0: it. that barley wines life, that's why I was kind of curious about uh, okay, okay. it, because, you know what I mean, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but... But yeah. yeah, man. uh oh, man. It saddens me. There's no end. You have no idea. So, yeah. Yeah, that's just uh, not my jam. That's uh, well, that's yeah. okay. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you you specifically, because you're one on on, on uh, microphone. Yeah. Like, what do you do to separate yourself from here? Like, when you're out of here, do you have a family? Do you do you go like out in the woods? Do you ski? Do you yep. tip cows? What do you do for yeah? Uh, for uh, fun?
1: I'm really into uh, to mountaineering to try to uh, get out into. Uh, into the mountains as much as I can. Which uh, in Pittsburgh, there's uh, there's hills, but uh, I usually have to travel a little bit to get to the mountains I want to go to. And then uh, actually uh, uh, starting the family on the way, the wife and I are due in uh, in June. Oh, so, nice, yeah, so that'll be the we'll have a, a Gristhouse baby uh, running around here
0: pretty soon. So, uh, that's yeah. the official name, Gristhouse. Gristhouse. Yeah, Gris, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gristhouse Eaton. I think is. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure <laughs> she's my wife. Did she's gonna hear down, this yeah, and be yeah. like, "What the hell's wrong? Yeah, <laughs> no one's gonna see to this. <laughs> Yeah, um, but." Uh, I mean, in moving forward, yeah, like where do you see Grist House like becoming? Do you want to expand outside of the facility you're at now? Mm-hmm. Do you want to be just a kind of like um, I don't know who, what to call like just a hyper localized brewery? Do you want to expand further out in the state or out in the country or out? Do you want to be yeah. acquired by AB InBev for nine billion dollars? No, like our
1: our, uh, our kind of. Uh, big goal has always been to, uh, to grow past where we're at right now and that's what this expansion we're working on right now is, is, to, is to go bigger um, and to, uh, really make, you know, Hunker down on the Pittsburgh being our home base, make sure it's taken care of, and then we want to get out to uh, uh, the places that are close to us. You know, like we grew up up in Erie, so we want to get beer up to Erie. We went to State College. we went to Penn State, so we want to get beer out to State College, and we want to get beer out here to Philly. I've always been impressed by the New Glarus model of you know nothing outside yeah, yeah, of like Wisconsin. O- yeah. yeah, Odell yeah. New, new yeah, Glarus exactly, kinda, yeah. and it's like you can you can do you can you can have a great brewery, employ a lot of great people, and uh, and make a living, and, and focus on your state. Um, not to say we probably won't get some beer out to Ohio and New York and kind of the, the surrounding area a little bit but our focus right now is going to be to, to grow at a sustainable pace and uh, um, not try to outgrow our bridges too fast I think we're starting to see the uh, the effects of that here especially this past week um, but uh, yeah it's going to be to, to, to focus on Pittsburgh and, and, and grow but uh, PAs are, are home and that's the focus
0: and that's the reason why I asked I mean you're doing this event here in, in Philadelphia yeah. there, there's one reason and one reason only to do yeah. this I mean to meet good people and to spread yeah. your beer but it's obviously you know you want to grow obviously outside of your footprint Yeah. how far away are you from doing something like that if you wanted to come to Philly is that something you could see in 2018 or you need a little bit more work going I, forward I can
1: see that in 2019 okay yeah um, so the, what we're working on right now is going to take the majority of the year to kind of get up and, and the thing is we're not going to Push out into Philly because Philly is Philly has been kind of the beer mecca of Pennsylvania for so long, and there's so many great breweries here, and they've always gotten the good beer. We've been neglected over in, in Pittsburgh. Western PA has <laughs> never gotten Pliny or any, yeah. other, anything from the you know. Well, Philly, uh, is special it's in that, in that, in that yeah, regard. Right? Yeah. And so it's like so it's a it's a hard market to break into, but it's fun coming out and doing these events, and we want to start getting beer out here. But as far as like making a, a solid push, it's it's probably going to take us a, at least another year to to really start getting noticeable amounts of beer out to Philly.
0: Okay, uh, last question, then we'll yep. wrap it up. You go to a bar, yep. all shitty beer. Yeah, you're gonna order a drink. What do you order? Is it in Pittsburgh? Doesn't matter.
1: Is it beer or is it uh, whatever? Non beer. Non beer. Non beer. Uh, whiskey. Uh, straight. Straight. Not even yeah. one
0: drop of ice cube. Now straight. I'm straight. Yeah. What kind of
1: whiskey? Uh, big fan of Knob Creek. If they have, uh, might go to my my guilty pleasure is uh, Eagle Rare, man. Get that yeah. bottle twenty five dollars. That's why I usually keep stock at home. But oh, there you uh, go. yeah, nice single uh, uh, Kentucky bourbon, There single you go. barrel. That's my that's my yeah. I you, like you I like the dark. I like dark uh, from whiskey. A yeah. for
0: What they'll drink when there's no beer around. Yeah. You know, I was I was hoping you weren't going to say like some kind of like schnappy cordials th- no. or something like that. <laughs> no.
1: Nope. Yeah. 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 It's either beer, whiskey, or coffee for
0: me. There you go. How do you make a coffee? Uh, French press. Okay. Do you put yeah. shit in it or do you drink it straight? Nah. Straight black. Yeah, see, I put, oh. I put cream and sugar. I'm, oh, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm a weakling. Yeah, yeah. yeah there, I, you, I, you
1: love barley wines and uh, Russian imperial stouts? And yeah, well, yeah. You make well, you got you to you
0: pick and choose, <laughs> so man. You, you just gotta, can't yeah, do them battle, both. Yeah. I want them my heart to explode just <laughs> yeah. over just make, a long time. Crush black like, coffee. Immediately and like, yeah. and just, just mix a black coffee and barley wine. Oh, yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, I think that's it, man. Awesome. Um, we'll uh, let you go, kind of mill around and kind of yeah, shake some hands There's and a, stuff like that. A
1: lot of people have come in here. Now. This is like, it's kind of blowing up. I'm
0: excited. Yeah, it looks yeah. like a good event, man. Yeah. So I appreciate coming out, man. Yeah. Um, and thanks for having uh, me on. Hopefully, to... you guys have a awesome night. Yeah. Um, yeah. get a little bit too drunk but don't get in too much trouble or at least well, not get well, caught keep a handle yeah that's, a, that's um, cool and so yeah. everybody Brian Eaton from uh, Grist House Brewing Pittsburgh tell people where they yeah. can find you how they find you whether it be social media physical the whole night
1: yeah so uh, gristhouse.com uh, uh, gristhouse on Facebook Twitter Instagram Friendster IRC MySpace we got it all covered dad um, yeah, then no, we're uh, over in Pittsburgh in uh, Millvale it's about uh, seven minutes from downtown Um, 10 Sherman Street We have a full tap room uh, Usually uh, 15 different beers on tap All our own uh, Food trucks on site Outdoor space Dog and kid friendly And uh, yeah Hopefully if you're out in Pittsburgh
0: You'll swing on by Awesome So there you go guys Hopefully you guys enjoyed the conversation Um, I'm sure we'll have uh, these guys back on when we head out Pittsburgh Way we'll do a little in-house at Grist House and uh, yeah if you have any questions uh, you'd like uh, us to ask Brian we didn't ask the show emails at massivebeers at gmail.com we'll definitely shoot some stuff off to him go check him out Pittsburgh's not that far away especially if you're here in the northeast Um, like he said there's a bunch of awesome breweries besides Grist House in and around the area when I went there I stayed in downtown Pittsburgh right in that kind of the whatever hotels on that kind of corner where you can see the Pittsburgh Stadium down there, and it was maybe like a ten-minute Uber ride or something like that.
1: that, Yeah, Yeah,
0: so uh, yeah, definitely check them out. uh, Check out their beers, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, you don't get arrested tonight. Try not to. Cheers. (laughs) Cheers. Awesome.